0: Do thank you for the chance uh, to gather around your word. We thank you for uh, the message that we've already heard. My Lord, we want you to show up here and now, communicate truth out of First Timothy, uh, specifically in chapter four to us, and help us to apply it. Help us to understand it, but help us to apply it, so that we can uh, communicate well. We can we can perceive what's going on around us, and we can we can be wise uh, to to what's uh, to what's happening. And and Lord, help us with that wisdom, with that knowledge, to uh, be better ministers. Not just to 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 understand more, not just to heap knowledge, but to become a better minister for your gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. So in uh, in uh, you know continuing our study in First Timothy, a guide to spiritual maturity, we we obviously each week we touch base on on the fact that Paul is is writing First Timothy to Timothy, who is now he's no longer really a babe in Christ. He is a maturing uh, and in some ways matured, but a maturing believer, and we can learn a lot from what Paul has written. To Timothy to apply in the practice of Christianity even today. It's not uh, it's not time uh, you know uh, restricted. It can be used today, and I, the reason I say that is because a lot of what we're going to talk about is is noticing this last uh, or this phrase here. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith and. And so I do believe that we are in the latter days and the, toward the, uh, the end of the church age. I don't know how close we are, but I, by definition, I know we're toward the end. And so this, this passage will really apply. That's why I didn't feel comfortable trying to, to, to chunk off too much passage because I felt it was important to make sure that we, we spent an appropriate amount of time here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly... That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And so, obviously, I, I made a little light of the fact that you know this is one sentence, and it and it is. It's one big, long sentence. It starts there and ends with a period here, defines a sentence, right? And while some of the passages that we've spent time going through in, for, in our study in First Timothy are more inspirational or more, you know, charge hell with a squirt gun type thing, today's a meat and potatoes kind of lesson. Today is a kind of lesson where we're going to have to put some thinking hats on and you know I don't necessarily delve into that each week. Sometimes it's it's good to do that, but I uh in order so so in order to kind of set the ta- stage, we're going to be diagramming sentences. Now, we're not actually going to diagram sentences today. And there was a and there was a collective, whew, right? But but it's important <coughs> to understand breaking down this one sentence. Otherwise, you could potentially end up with some bad doctrine. To so break it down. Now, this is the, the sentence, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog, right? Are we, are we there? It's pretty, pretty straightforward. The subject of the sentence is the fox. The verb is jumped. Uh, so you could say, the fox jumped. That's a complete sentence and a complete thought. You could say, the quick fox jumped you right. You could say the, the brown fox jumped, or you could say the quick brown fox jumped. Right? And all of a sudden, I sound like Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> it was a Tweedle Beetle battle. And they used paddles in the Tweedle Battle bottle, and a muddle, muddle something. Right? Um, so the, you could also say the fox jumped over the dog. Right? Or now, the collective, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog, right? So this this is describing the dog, right? I mean, we're there. I think you're there with me, right? So when we look at this one sentence, verses 1 through 3, three verses that's one sentence, we're going to see that that it, it really is broken down into some thoughts. And we're going to break those thoughts down. And we're going to look at those thoughts today. And I'm going to spend some time doing that because I think it's important to to understand, understand scripture in that light. If we, in fact, believe the words of scripture are words from God, we're not just going to brush over some of them. We need to understand how they fit together. Okay. So we need to do just a little bit. This is not on your notes. Just a little bit of understanding of the purposes of semicolons. So just bear with me. This is the part where people will fall asleep. I'll wake you up later. All right, so semicolons are used to join closely related independent clauses. But the two independent clauses or thoughts are too closely related to justify separating them by a by a period, okay? Or putting them separate, they 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 um they're tied together purposefully. In this case, Paul wrote them specifically to stay together. So these examples are just examples, they're not in your notes psalm 116 gracious is the lord and righteous yea our god is merciful could you say yea our god is merciful as a standalone sentence mm-hmm. of course you can matter of fact he, he de- so the psalmist i don't you know, I'd have to look at these but psalmist does that here yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death obviously this is a psalm of david but you could in fact separate that out but he is tying those two concepts to, or those three concepts together, that gracious and righteous flow from mercy, or, so, or at least in some way, shape, or form tied to being merciful. I shouldn't have necessarily said flowed from, but they're definitely tied. Okay? So when you come across punctuation in Scripture, when you come across these things, it's there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. Now let's look at this. He restoreth my soul. We're not really going to talk about colons today. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <coughs> Colon. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. These two concepts: God's with us, but with with Him being with us comes a rod and a staff. Are, are you with? I mean, just it's kind of like the col the semicolons tie the concepts together. And and just a quick hint, usually colons are uh, expounding upon things usually. It's a pretty good idea or pretty good uh, uh, confidence there. Now you can use a semicolon between two independent clauses that are connected by conjunctive adverbs or transitional phrases. Again, you, there will be no test. Okay? I will cry unto and prepositions, the... prepositions, I think you should say that, too. Well, or prepositions. Yeah, that's that would could be considered a transitional phrase. But it, exactly. I will cry unto God, the, um, the, unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things. Through. Like, it's a continuation of the thought, right? They're together. Are we still... Have I lost you all? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, the third thing, and this is not a Bible example, because Pottsville, Pennsylvania is not mentioned in scripture, but when there's a series of items that you want to talk about, but one of those series is also a series, or is offset by commas, you use semicolons to separate the series, right? So normally you would say Pottsville, comma, Pennsylvania, right, mm-hmm. or Ithaca, comma, New York or Richmond Common Virginia. If you were going, if you could actually say we visited Pottsville, comma, Ithaca, comma, and Richmond, comma, or period, right? You could do that. But because you add the comma and the state designation, now they're offset by semicolons. Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay. So our passage today, if you look back at our passage, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall def- depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils, semicolon, speaking lies and hypocrisy, semicolon, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, semicolon, and forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Okay? So what I did jumping ahead is this is the exact same scripture just separated into an outline form and separated by our semicolons cool. that's actually your the little blanks the fill in the blanks that you've got on your page oh. you have to draw little winks grammatical <laughs> winks there right? but not the parentheses part just the just the winky part okay so the spirit is saying paul is saying to timothy that in the last days, there are things that are gonna happen and that creates a list, okay? And that list is very clear. They'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Those three things are tied together. And that's where you can end up with some wonky doctrine, not just here and in other places, because these three things are one thought offset by commas, ended by a semicolon. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, it's a standalone, having their conscience seared with the hot iron, standalone concept, and then forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. And you say, well, those seem different, but the reality is they're a parallel because someone's saying don't marry and don't eat. So he's lock, he's linking those two concepts together. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask, say this probably six more times. Are you still with me? Yeah. We'll okay. Gotcha. So this is the simple breakdown of the sentence. Get ready, because here it comes. <laughs> this is the more complex breakdown of the sentence. And again, it's on your page. I'm not asking you to do any fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. but notice, and generally, just like the just like we diagrammed the sentence the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. You can see this. The spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the path, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Some speaking lies and hypocrisy. Some having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Some forbidding to, to, or, to marry or commanding to abstain from meats. Are you tracking that generally you can finish the sentence with any one of these four okay so we're gonna look at each of these sections and it's important because they don't generally folks that do this don't necessarily do all of these things and what they will do is they will try to pick at certain aspects of the faith they will try to come in and subvert good teaching by <coughs> challenging any one of these things. They usually don't walk in with a big, I was going to say S on their chest, but for Satan, I guess. They don't walk in with a bit, you know, with the horns and a pitchfork. Although I was at church one time where the pastor actually had somebody dress up like Satan. It didn't go well. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> And the guy, like, went around and was trying to get people to not pay attention during worship and during the announcements. And one of the guys punched him. But it's, a, it's a, you know, yeah. it wasn't bad. It was an older guy that punched a younger guy, and he saw it coming. So, so just don't do that. Just, like, those kinds of illustrations today don't go over well. Um, but each of these four areas is what we need to be watchful for. And I don't necessarily mean that I'm watching you all, like... You know, is Tom departing from the faith? Is he giving heed to seducing spirits or doctrines of devils? I'm not doing that. That's not what I mean. But if somebody starts to come in to the body, whether it's this fellowship or our church, and starts to weasel their way in with these concepts that might sound good, but aren't, right? They might sound, they might be a nice news or or. Tw- uh, a Twitter kind of catchphrase, like, like silence is violence. Well, actually, it's not. You know, <laughs> you know. If I choose not to to be active <laughs> as much as you think I should be active, that doesn't necessarily mean I condone it. So we have to be real careful because what they will do is they will speak lies and hypocrisy. They will depart from the faith by giving heed to these seducing spirits. They'll command, they'll, get, they'll set expectations on us that are against scripture. Okay? And we need to be very, very mindful of that. Okay, So let's jump into each one. The shall depart from the faith. So we're going to look at that one first. First John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be, that, look at this, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So when people depart from the faith, when people throw a line in the sand and say, I'm just not willing to do that. And I've met with people, I've, I've, I've lovingly met with people who want to be involved in ministry. And they'll say, they'll literally say, well, I'm just not willing to do that whatever that is, fill in the blank. And it's like, well, okay. And and I'm not suggesting they do something wrong. They're just not willing to go to a Bible study or they're not willing to be here consistently or just reasonable expectations. Well, guess what? They're manifesting that they're really not of us. And it's just a period of time before. They will probably leave. They will depart the faith. And I don't mean that if somebody walks out of these doors, you know, forget them because we have a very... Very clear, very clear pattern and testimony of grace in this church, and people are given multiple, multiple chances to do right. But ultimately, if they're not willing to do right, this is not the place for them. Right. Second Timothy four ten. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Th- uh, Thessalonica, Christians to the Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. I mean, Demas leaves because he chooses the world over ministry leaving is a thing acts 13 um, now when paul and his company loosed from paphos they came to perga and Pamphila and, and pamphylia and john departs from them returning to jerusalem some of you, uh, I, I've taught on this before, and I don't remember the the exact cons, uh, the, the, the 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 timing of that. But you know, the ministry was really good when you're on Crete. Like, send me to Crete; I'll be a, I'll go to the Mediterranean and I'll be a missionary to Crete. That's a vacation, vacationer's paradise there. But then when you get to Perga and you're staring at the, I think it's the Taurus Mountains, and Paul says we're going over those mountains to minister. And John Mark's like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Like, I I signed up for the Crete mission ministry trip, not for the mountain hike ministry trip. Paul, uh, or I'm sorry, John departs. So leaving the faith, departing from the faith, is really just an outward manifestation of what was going on on the inside. Right? It's just an outward manifestation. So look at this. But... As I mentioned, this church has a solid testimony of allowing people back in. Now, we're not going to give them uh, the mic, I think is how Sam says it. We're not going to hand the mic to them to teach and that sort of thing. We're going to allow them to be a ministry to prove themselves. But notice in Philemon in verse 15, for perhaps... (laughs) <laughs> that he therefore he departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Right? Even in the, the discipline that had to happen in the church at Corinth, that happened, the church discipline concept happened so that so that the person's soul could be restored, so that that God could deal with them the way he needed to deal with them, convict him the way he needed to convict him, so that restoration could happen. Sometimes we don't need, well, let me me start my sentence over. We definitely don't need to kick anybody out. That's off the table. That's not for us to do. And I'm not suggesting we say, don't let the door hit you on the way out either. But sometimes leaving is what needs to happen because people need to see the contrast. Sometimes it just needs to happen and that's okay. It's healthy. Your body turns its cells over, right? And there are times when people just, we just don't need to chase them. Like there are times that I'm gonna chase people and there's times I'm gonna say, hey, I think you're making a bad decision. But there's other times when they've made it abundantly clear where they stand and I'm gonna let them go. That's not mean, it's actually biblical because they needed to leave and that's okay. Now, I hope you all come back next week, (laughs) right? So but the next is giving heed to seducing spirits so they're so they were they were departing from the faith but they're also giving heed to two things seducing spirits and then we'll see more uh the doctrines of devils here in a moment but giving heed to seducing spirits so this giving heed is a study in and of itself i actually started down that path a little bit because there's I mean, just a, a huge number of things that you should give heed to or take heed of and things that you need to like like allow in your life and there's things that you need to keep out of your life right and giving heed is a really neat uh word study so or phrase study giving heed or taking heed and i would suggest that um but in this case these folks are giving heed to seducing spirits they're literally allowing seducing spirits into their into their life michelle and i were talking I, i read an article on the internet, and it was it was basically a conglomeration of counselors. Total law. I mean, no reason to believe any of these folks were saved. Conglomeration of some of the things that the counselors hear that everybody is so embarrassed to mention and talk about with their counselor, but it's pretty common. It was really the the nature of the story. It was kind of themes that that counselors hear. And one of the things that kept coming up was people hear voices a lot and that's not that uncommon. And they're almost always telling people to do wrong things. You know, rarely does the voice say go serve at the soup kitchen. You know, the voice usually says drugs, alcohol, nefarious acts, right? And I'm not, you know, you know, just like like go the wrong direction. Well, those are seducing spirits they're just seducing spirits and there are ways in our in our walk that we can we can just not give heed to those like when a when a bad thought pops into your mind pray like lord that like i don't want to live there i don't want to go there i'm not going to listen to that seducing spirit notice look at this now i've got a a, a little bit more than just verse 21 on this. So I'm going to read the passage to you out of 2 Chronicles 19 to 22. But the Lord said, who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake after this manner and another spake after that manner. Then there came out a spirit which stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. So literally we get a glimpse into the spiritual battle in this in this passage. He says, "Then there came a spirit and was stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him." And the Lord said unto him, "Wherewith? How are you going to entice him?" And he said, "I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets." I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets." And the Lord said, "Thou shalt entice him. You're permitted." And thou shalt also prevail. Just so you know, he's going to believe. Go out and do so. Uh, do even so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. And people have a hard time with that kind of thing. Like with Job, right? That he allowed, God allowed Satan to do all this stuff in Job's life. And it's kind of weird. It's hard sometimes to wrap your brain around that that God allows these bad things, these bad spirits to come upon us. But notice he said, thou shalt prevail. God knows what's going to happen here. And this is our opportunity to put the stake in the ground and say, God, when I hear that bad spirit, when that seducing spirit comes to me, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to do some of the things. I'm going to exercise the things that Brandon talked about in service today. I'm going to bounce them off of my spiritual leaders. I'm going to bounce them off of the word, right? I'm going to confirm them in the body of believers. I'm going to make sure that this is of God and not of Satan. One of these things in the article was you'd be amazed at how many people go to a counselor and say, I just want to quit my job and like sell seashells by the seashore. I actually said it. I didn't think I was going to be able to get it out. But they just want to give it all up. And Brandon was talking about that this morning. Like, well, do you have another job you're going to? Like, what's your plan here? Because the seducing spirits in the latter times are going to dangle these really good ideas that might hit your heart. And look, Satan's had Satan and his uh, nasty minions have had plenty of time to practice Mm -hmm. on humans. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually part of the context of the latter times is that they're literally getting better at what they do. They're literally and and I would also generally encourage you, if you've not read the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, I would generally encourage you to do that because it (laughs) gives just a glimpse, it's not scripture, but it gives a glimpse, one guy's perspective, on how demons will play you. Yes. Could you repeat the name? The screw tape, it's like a screw yeah. and a tape, letters. Screw tape, Sue S. Lewis. Thank you. Screw, no problem, screw tape is the name of the, the nephew I always get, get that backwards because Wormwood is the uncle uh, Wormwood is the uncle demon who is teaching screw tape, the new demon how to mess with people and it's and it, it's and cs lewis was a believer and so it's uh it's those kinds of things come out of scripture and they're, but it's you know it's just uh and they're letters because it's all written it's just uh, great but the point is seducing spirits are actually pretty easy to stop they're pretty easy you just hold on to the word when i was in zambia africa i had the opportunity to to go to zambia africa many moons ago at this point and preach And one of the missionaries said, if if something like supernatural happens, could happen, voodoo is like a big deal over there. If something supernatural happens, just start repeating scripture. Find you a verse, preferably one that includes the name of Jesus and memorize it, have it on a card and just repeat it. Like the word of God deals with seducing spirits. It's pretty amazing. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Like a really good healthy spiritual debate. Yeah, just a second. A good healthy spiritual debate often ends up in bad doctrine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if this is off topic but what you're saying about Job being tempted or Job suffering. Mm-hmm. Could it be said then that a Christian who questions God's sense of justice, if they say that human suffering is proof that God is unjust, could it be said that then they are being seduced by a spirit? It's certainly possible. It's not off the table. They could be intellectually drawing the wrong conclusion, but they certainly could have been uh, propagated to draw the wrong conclusion by a seducing spirit. Yeah, you know, some people really have a hard time wrapping their brain around that God would allow things like human trafficking. And that is, that's really hard. Matter of fact, that's the problem with reforms or, or with Calvinists. There's actually some very prominent Calvinists out there who say things like, because they believe in a God that is so in control. He's in control of who gets saved and who doesn't. He's so in control that, yes, he is in fact responsible for things like pedophilia and, and human trafficking. It's like it's 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 a conclusion they have to come to to stick with their bad doctrine. So I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, in that. Sometimes people come up with these thoughts and then they stick with them and seducing spirits add to it. Sometimes seducing spirits would be the origin or, or genesis of that thought. So ultimately I don't know, but it's not off the table. Is that fair? Yeah. So... <clears throat> So look at, look at it as we continue in 2 Corinthians 11. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They literally come across like, well, we believe the same thing. We believe the same thing. But, and then they add this thing that's contrary to the word that is a seducing spirit. 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. They're getting better at what they do. And then there's this kind of mental, societal enlightenment concept that's also in play, deceiving and being deceived. So again, I'm not sure which comes first there in every situation, but both happen. They deceive and they're deceived. Look at Second Peter 2:1. but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, and who, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. There's chairs up here if you need to grab uh, grab some chairs. We can definitely hand them out or move them back. Right? So these seducing spirits are really good at dangling out a really good, well, how, how would a loving God send a person to hell? Like, how is that? Well, because they were a sinner. <laughs> And he loved them so much that he sent his son to take their place if they would simply believe. Like, that's how. Right? I mean, that's how a loving God sends someone to hell. He gives them every chance. He lights everyone that comes into the world. That's how. They choose that. So in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men were among you for your sake. That's how you deal with the seducing spirit. And again, that's a, a lesson all of its own. But in word, in power, in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, much assurance, transparent ministry, you let things prove themselves out over time. That's how you counteract seducing spirits. And then you have doctrines of devils. Second, or First Corinthians 10, 20. But I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Like, can you believe Paul had to write that? Like, I would prefer if you don't hang with devils. Like, Okay, got it. You know? Yeah, it is common sense. But we have to be reminded in the latter days good is bad and bad is good and everything has is relative right and we've just got to be and, and it's not relative when you when you stick with the word revelation 9:20. and the rest of the men which were not killed by the plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk so how do we counter counteract that in First Corinthians one eight and that was kind of the goal here was that we see in each of these the, the 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 framed issue but then the the way we counteract it in First Corinthians eight for though there be uh, for though uh, for though there be that are called gods whether in heaven or in earth as there be gods many and lords many but to us there is but one God the Father of whom all, uh, of whom are all things and we in him and one lord Jesus by whom are all things and we by him like we're going to we're going to draw the line there and if a spirit says different than that it's antichrist it is what it is and we're not going to we're not going to listen to it the doctrines of devils have no place and what's amazing is and i was having this conversation with with several people over the last, uh, last, I'll say last year. The Lord's been working on some things in my life about some specific doctrines and I always want to make sure I bounce those off other people. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not the first one to ever come up with fill in the blank. Right? Like, God has not held, withheld all, you know, knowledge and wisdom until Mitch was born. <laughs> and then he was the one that could figure it out. Like, no there is value in the multitude of counselors right and it's just like brandon said in service like no you're a stinking idiot and somebody could as i've bounced some of these things that i've studied in scripture bounce things off of people that i respect they'll say ah but you forgot about this verse ah good point point. and they're doing it lovingly they're So far, no one's gone. You're a stinking idiot. Or I think he said freaking idiot. I don't Did he say freaking idiot? I felt like he said freaking idiot idiot from the pulpit. And I felt like, I'm not sure I would go there. But (laughs) but he's a a pastor here, so he can say it. And Sam, like he said, when Sam's gone, he's worried he's going to break the car. Maybe that's what he did. So, so, I'm just moving on. (laughs) Alright. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. So these are different things. They're going to follow the seducing spirits and the devils, right? But they'll also speak lies and hypocrisy. Lies that are literally go against what scripture says. Isaiah 9:15, the ancient and honorable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, teaches lies, he's the tail. Like if you need any any any, you know, assurance of who's who's at the front and who's at the at the back, we know it. Matthew 24:24, 24, 24, for there shall arise false christs false prophets and show, shall show great signs and wonders tribulation context right but but these are the kinds of things we have to deal with in the latter times in second peter 2 1 to 2 for but there were false prophets also among the people Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, right? And bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil, evil spoken of. Right, so literally, second peter, and and we actually went through second Peter uh, early in the in the genesis of of whole heart and and I would encourage you maybe to go back and, and look at that because we spent a fair amount of time there, but there are false prophets, they literally work to manipulate scripture, and you know what? they get that from their father, their ultimate father, the devil, because when you look at what happens in Genesis. There's almost always a challenge to what God hath said, right? Yea, hath God said. That's, what, that's how the serpent starts it, right? And that's how they challenge lies. And one of the ways they challenge lies and hypocrisy. They bring in these damnable her- heresies, often denying the Lord that even bought them, right? And bring upon themselves this destruction. And some people are going to follow him. And we need to fight. We need to contend for the faith. And that's, that's the thing that I'm still, I'm just, I try to always be real transparent with you. There's this part of me that doesn't want to fight people. And, and I mean like, like, I don't want to enter into a debate with you. Like, I'm not going to enter into a debate with you. The gospel is very clear. I don't care what you're bringing to the table. The gospel is very clear. We're not going to have a debate over this. You can reference some philosopher if you want, but he died and stayed in the grave. Like, my dude wins. So I'm not going to, like, that's not going to help me. I'm not going to enter into a debate with you. But I will contend for the faith. And that's, a, I, and a, again, just trying to be transparent. I'm trying to work on, on how that works out, how that looks. And I guess ultimately where I'm at today is that somebody that wants to learn, I'll invest in them. Somebody that wants to challenge me, like, I don't have time for that. I think it's Alan Shelby. That I, I, nobody's got time for that. I mean, nobody got time for that. Notice in 1 Timothy 2, 7, Wherefore, or whereunto, I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. And one of the conditions is I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not. Like, I don't... There's a phrase amongst, you know, sometimes with pastors and teachers, like, like, that's a pastor story. Like, that didn't really go down that way, did it? Like, I don't get the liberty to embellish a story just to prove a point. That's not right. I don't get to take truth and, and manipulate it and, and turn it into, you know, this concept of a parable. If, if, if the example fits, the example fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't get the opportunity to twist something and lie to you. Like, that's not. And Paul is addressing this. I'm a preacher, an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ, and I lie not. (coughs) So now it brings us to this third concept having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And I thought about actually having a branding iron and a fire up here and then and I was just going to ask for one volunteer and then nobody was going to volunteer and I was going to say but you were going to be the one that got to brand somebody and then you were all going to laugh right so having their conscience seared with the hot iron literally there's two illustrations that that do this justice and one is a steak or a burger you know, when you put it on a really hot grill, it will sear the meat. That's actually what you would find if you if you if you looked for if you googled searing, uh, you would probably come across that more often than anything because it's a way to cook to keep the juices of the meat inside. You sear both sides really quick to kinda keep the, the, the juice on the, the the juices on the inside, right? It makes it better. But the other illustration is a branding iron. And I didn't realize there's quite a big debate, and it kind of makes sense about whether people should be still branding cows. Like, it's an incredibly painful process. And I think it's probably crosses the line, probably in the camp of, I think that crosses the line, right? That you have to burn an animal. To mark them as your property. I, that, I, I, I get, I get it. I get other people's arguments and the ways that things can, can, can be. But it doesn't just burn the hair; it burns so deeply that it creates a, a permanent scar. That's how it works. It is terrible. But that's what their conscience has become: is really scarred. And this is the thing that's probably of the ministry part the thing I want to really focus on in the time we have left because of the fact that these are the folks that are probably hurt. They have been hurt by church after church after church, pastor after pastor, leader after leader. And they've, be, they've put up this wall to defend themselves from these bad things. And literally their conscience has been seared. And God can't deal with that the same that he deals with an unseared or a not seared conscience. All right. So, so these are, they're, they're literally past feeling. They've given themselves under, over under things that make themselves feel good. They, they, they literally try to, the the term that I, you know, that I interact with with people at work, well, I self-medicate. I so I, I, I invest in things that make my body temporarily feel good. To deal with the pain of the long standing trauma instead of dealing with it, right? And that ultimately works uncleanness with greediness. So it's, it's uncanny how that works. Or, look in, in Romans 2 or despiseth thou the rich, uh, riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, the patience of God, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, Treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and the revelation of righteous the righteous judgment of God. So literally, they will protect. They they think they're protecting themselves by putting up this wall. But happy is the man that feareth always. That's you want you want to figure out how to unsear a conscience. The fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. If a person is caught in a perpetual sin that they cycle with sin that they can't get out of. They don't properly fear the Lord. I mean, it's just, it's a simple equation. But look at this. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. So this is where you, you're going you're to go to the back of your page for just a moment. Now, all of this, I've already taught before. That's why you're like, whoa, how are we going to get through all this in 10 minutes? Well, because I've actually, excuse me, I've actually already taught this this slide is something from a slide earlier in the study. Okay. And you can go back and you can look at that. And I meant to reference it. I think it's in, uh, in first Timothy chapter two, uh, starting in, and somebody might help me here. Uh, having a good conscience i can't i I'm not seeing it right now, maybe it's the end somebody could can find that, but uh oh, I'm sorry, it's uh one nineteen holding faith in a good conscience which some hath put away concerning the faith that made shipwreck so first 1 Timothy 1:19. 1, if you want to go back and listen to that message, you'll get the whole thing. but to understand conscience, you first must understand the threefold nature of man, body, soul, and spirit. the conscience is part of the soul, okay. The conscience is part of the soul and it's the part the ability to perceive right from wrong moral right from wrong okay now it's different than emotion the ability to feel cognition the ability to know or deduction the ability to understand okay but conscience is a part of our soul that helps us perceive the right from the wrong now conscience and we don't have time to go through all these The references, I think, are on your page, right? If you want to go look at them. But conscience convicts, directs. I use the word primal. It's very basic in us. It's put in us by God. It's a witness to us, and it holds us accountable. Okay? So that's why this seared conscience is such a big deal, is because if it doesn't provide witness to you anymore, if the Holy Spirit can't tug on that part of your soul and say, that's wrong, what you're doing is wrong, it, you've lost this concept of the witness and the accountability, and it no longer directs and no longer convicts. Okay? You have some different options under conscience. We, again, we, this was a whole different study. It can be an evil conscience, a defiled conf- conscience, a seared conference conscience here, or a weakened conscience. Okay? So just, just know that. So there, Oh, and there's also a good or a pure conscience. So go back to the, to the front of your page now. <clears throat> so this fourth is, and the last point is forbidding to marry and abstain from meats. So this is literally somebody who has, who does not have the mind of Christ, right? We've just, we've just built that argument. These are people who do these kinds of things. Now they're telling you how you should live. Well, bro, you don't even have it together to pull out. Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? (laughs) Like literally you have a seared conscience or you speak hypocrisy and lies. Like you are not going to lecture me. You You don't have the right to push your opinion on me. That's not how this works. But notice... And I don't really I don't really have some bad examples of of the forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats but just notice and I already mentioned this the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord hath made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden he challenges what God has said and Nevertheless look at this in, in 1 Corinthians 7 to avoid fornication let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. That's literally part of the way God deals with the sexual drive of people is he allows them to marry. So you have people saying, no, 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 no. The structure is not good. Do this. And that. this literally by definition is going outside the structure that God created. Little, If, if God created the intimacy concept between a man and a woman does he not have the right to set the rules around that like if i if i create a game if i create an environment if i'm if i create a, a you know well we'll just run with a a video game do i not get to define the rules of the video game like if i'm if i am the designer of something i get to establish that and god did that and those who want to challenge Forbidding to marry or commanding to abstain from meats. That literally is them and is an affront to God. Mm -hmm. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I think that's part of the reason you're seeing gender spectrum concept. Like I literally don't understand how scientists can believe all of these things, including the simplicity of chromosomes yet they have diversity of gender now i'm not saying some people don't have masculine tendencies or uh, feminine tendencies that's cool god made us as individual but we don't get to redefine those things he defined those god blessed them and god said be fruitful modifi- multiply and replenish the earth subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything liveth and moveth upon the earth and ultimately consume them we even saw that today in Acts marriage is in fact honorable Proverbs 15 18 let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth don't like you don't need to what what is it turn in the 40 year old for two twenties. like that's not how it works somebody's heard that no like that isn't how it works rejoice with the wife of your youth <clears throat> and him that eateth look at Romans fourteen. Let him that eateth, dis, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Doesn't matter who the him is. he's received both of them. If you're a vegetarian, more power to you. I'm down with that. I'm I'm, I'm down with you being a vegetarian, <laughs> like. I'm not going to judge you for that. Don't judge me that I'm going to have a burger tomorrow. So, I know we're out of time here. So, and I'm sorry, I should have uh, advanced to this. But uh, but notice, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats. Like, the issue isn't about what goes in your mouth, even Jesus identified that. It's what comes out of your mouth, mm-hmm. right? It's a reflection of the heart, right? So it's our one discipleship decision for the day: Will you keep the faith? Will you keep the faith? And we're going to jump ahead here, all the way to First Timothy chapter six, and verse twenty is Paul's generally wrapping up the book of First Timothy. He says, "O oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust." And the reason I did that is because in the latter days, the tendency is going to be to allow the fringes, the edges to get worn down by the attack. We can't let it happen. We have to be diligent. We have to keep the faith. We don't have the we don't have the time quite simply. We don't have the patience, honestly, and I made the joke earlier, we don't have the time to be drawn. And to deal with these weird things, we've got work to do. We need to. What was it? What were the three things Brandon said? Um, get. Arise, get and, go. get, and go. We need to arise, get, and go. So I hope this landed today. I know it was a lot, and I apologize for maybe for the volume of it. But you know, Paul is making it very clear to Timothy that there's things he needs to keep because it's important. Things that will be challenged in the latter times. This concept of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This concept of people speaking lies and hypocrisy. This concept of them having a a seared conscience and them ultimately forbidding things that God has commanded to be okay. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for uh, just teaching us and guiding us. We love you. We ask that the truth of your word would stand. Uh, we know it stands for all eternity. We'd, we'd ask for it to stand in this place to be the, uh, to be sufficient. Uh, your authority is clear, and we're going to we're gonna we're gonna hitch our wagon to you, Lord. We're not gonna, uh, you know, Lord, help us if we allow folks to come in to deviate uh, from truth. Uh, truth is not relative. You have clearly defined it, and Lord, we just pray that um, that we just hold it and hold it fast.